Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 22, which begins with Thor and a frost giant having a staring contest and ends with Thor and a different frost giant having a roaring contest. <laughs> Joining us once again is uh, Cass Fredrickson, who's being very kind to laugh at my bad joke. Uh, Cass <laughs> comes to us from the Lord of the Lord of the Rings minute-by-minute minute podcast, as well as a number of other great properties. Uh, Cass, what got you into the whole minute-by-minute minute thing? What, what do you really like about it? Um, well, uh, back in, in ye olden times of 2016, um, where there was like less than, I don't know, 20 of these things, um, my friend, um, Scott Corelli, uh, was doing Back to the Future Minute, uh, with our other friend, Nick Jimenez. Um, and I thought the, the idea of the format was interesting, like, like, because you're not supposed to be watching a movie one minute at a time like that's not what they're made for so like breaking it down and like the like micro analyzing it was really fascinating to me um so he was like you you should do one and i approached my uh then fiance with the idea and he was like okay yeah so what's a movie that we both really like uh and so we were deciding between harry potter and lord of the rings and lord of the rings won out and actually i'm really glad lord of the rings won out because like Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable talking about those movies now, knowing what I know about the creator. Um, so lucky for us, J.R.R. Tolkien is dead, so we don't have any social media snafus. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, like uh, I, I, I love Lord of the Rings, and uh, I've met so many really cool people um, in this community, the minute by minute community. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really glad we stuck with that project even though it was a lot of work as you yeah both i'm sure are aware <laughs> oh yeah definitely definitely well we'll be back to uh, micro analyze this minute in just one moment what do you think about the frost giants what do you think about laufey's position in all of this are you on team laufey or team odin as far as the truce we want to know what you think Head over to our Facebook group. It's called the Marvel Movie Minute Podcast Executive Lounge. We would love for you to join us there and get into the conversation about this and anything else related to this show and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Just go to truestory.fm slash Minute and click on the link for the social of your choice. Welcome back. So now we are showing Thor as just the most mature, able, like this is why he should make the decisions and Loki should know his place because he's going straight to a fifth grade staring contest. Um, and I, just, I love the shots of him and this and the frost giant just kind of looking at each other. And, and you can kind of see the indecision on, on Thor's face the whole time. He looks upset. He looks like, you know, like Loki's right, but I don't want him to be. I just want to mm-hmm. hit that guy. I want to hit him so yeah. bad. <laughs> And, and I have to imagine that the shot we're not seeing is Lo- Laufey up on his throne as this ice giant sentry, uh, frost giant sentry is going out there to, you know, basically challenge Thor. And he's just like head po- face palming, like, come on, I just can conv- I'm just about convincing him to not 
walk away to walk away and now you're 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 making it harder and and loki has this little line of come on brother and at first it works and then the sentry just goes over the line and 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 taunts thor with again this very like fifth grade grade school kind of like oh you're a princess ha 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 toxic masculinity woo mm-hmm. um and it's just I, and i think this kind of underscores what you were saying yesterday cast about loki really wants to get get out of there it was maybe my favorite line in the movie. He just says under his breath, damn. Yes. Because <laughs> he knows he knows his brother. He knows that at that point, it's on. We're fighting now. I like that we get not only Loki's reaction to it, but also Fandral's. Because, like, mm-hmm. like, we get his brother's reaction and then we get one of his friends. Like, this is the thing that Thor, like, that they know about Thor that he can't. He's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like Marty McFly being called chicken, right? Like, he can't walk away <laughs> right. from this taunt. <laughs> He's got to, mm-hmm. like, throw down. Well, it's a fan- great reference. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and Fandral's head roll it just, like, cracks me up. It's like, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, such a great sigh. You know, you just, you have that thing, like, oh, did, did it really have to go there? Mm-hmm. Damn it. And I think there, there's a big difference, though, because Loki is like, uh-oh, we just did dumb, we just did the dumb thing. Now we're going to possibly be in real danger. Fandral, it seems he's like, I, I don't think it's occurred to him yet that they could lose this fight. For him, it's more just, but I was so close to getting back to the pretty girls who were waiting for me, you know? Like, <laughs> right. Like, he's going he's gonna to have to muss his hair and, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> fix it later. <laughs> uh, and so now we finally get to see Mjolnir kind of in action, you know? And he, there's this great shot. He's holding the, the, the hammer pretty high up on the, the handle, and, and he's holding it, like, pointed down. And he just kind of lets go enough for it to fall in his hand to into a battle stance and then he just gets to whack somebody about it um what was it like for you like getting to see mjolnir the like the famous thor the famous hammer now in action i love the moment as it falls to camera like falls right into frame uh plus it's cool because you get to see the runes on it and and see like the detail of what they the 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 people the, the behind the props really did as they were crafting this hammer. I mean, it really looks like what I pictured Thor's hammer would look like, and right. uh, and so that's very exciting to kind of see it coming into frame. And you like, oh, something something serious is going to happen here. And also, they added some interesting sounds with Mjolnir too. So as he's like dropping it and swinging it, it's kind of got this. It's almost like a a, a ringing metal sort of sound that goes along with it. That they're pretty consistent with across the the entire franchise, which is uh i don't know i've come to love that sound every mm-hmm. time i hear it mm-hmm. in action in the films mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say i really enjoyed the sound effect when it slides into yeah. i guess position yeah and so and andy you want to explain to us what those what the runes actually mean because you found the translation for them yeah so it's it's um i mean it's a, a type of runes called elder futhark mm-hmm. uh that they that they wrote on the hammer now uh, technically, uh, I, I found this note on a Reddit page where they translated it. The translation says, he who wields this hammer commands the lightning and the storm, which is true. We will very soon see that in action. Um, but this, um, there are a few typos that they did or a few letters that they might have kind of not, shouldn't have chosen. Um, and Interestingly, and I didn't know this about, I, I don't know much about Elder Futhark, but there, if they actually were writing this out, they wouldn't be putting spaces in it. It would all just be, you know, one big thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's people writing in, in 2011 trying to figure out how to do this. And I, I, I still think it's cool the fact that they wrote it out that way. Yeah. 
And I will say it's not not exactly word for word. I don't know if it's mentioned that it's in runes, but that is a phrase that is used to describe the hammer in the poet. I'm not sure if it's the poetic or the prose eddas, but in one of those documents from Iceland that is kind of like the original source text for Norse mythology is described in kind of similar terms to this. So they're definitely kind of the someone did their homework to put this together. And it's awesome. It's it's wonderful knowing like that level of detail, you know, because for no one in the audience is probably going to ever just be able to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that's what it translates to. Um, but still, they they took the time to put that much effort and thought into it, I think is really telling you, like, the level of detail we're going for here. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to that end, though, I don't know. This is one of those weird things. Like, I don't even know. Like, I just I found this on the Internet. It says this the Elder Futhark was used during the migration era, which was second to eighth century which gave way to the younger Futhark runic alphabet. And that was more around the Viking era started and the Old Norse language was developing. And technically, that's what they should have used, not the elder Futhark. But, you know, okay. when it comes to your Futharks, uh, you know. <laughs> Never mind. This is all ahistorical garbage. Do you know why? Because... <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Do you know? I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure because isn't Mjolnir is older than Thor, isn't it? Because it's in the um, it's the it, weapon right. room when he's a yeah. little boy. So yeah, yeah we were it, trying to figure that out. Like yeah. uh, you know, in context of all of this, has it been around for a long time? Did did Odin have it made for Thor when he was a kid, and he's been storing it in his vaults? Like where it's yeah. it's never really explained in the movie. I mean, there's more uh, you know stories about it in Norse mythology and and other places. So it's mm-hmm. it's hard to yeah. say, but that's that's actually a a very valid point about that. Yeah, because you're right. That's actually a big difference from the Norse myth, because in the myth, it is specifically made uh, for anyone who watched the TV show Loki and remembers that Sif at one point gets mad that Loki cut her hair. Mm-hmm. That's a reference to a myth where Sif, who is Thor's wife in the in the mythology, uh, Lofi, uh, Loki cuts all her hair off. Thor gets super mad at Loki and demands that Loki like fix this. And as part of fixing this, it's a whole long uh, kit and caboodle, but it ends with the dwarves making a, a number of magical things, one of which is the greatest wig that's ever been known, and another <laughs> which is Mjolnir. So, mm. yeah, that's definitely, I hadn't even thought of that, but that's definitely a place where it, it changes up. Yeah. So so now we get back into a battle, and kind of very similar to the first battle we saw at the very beginning, of the, or the, the with the first battle between the Asgardians and the, the, the Frost Giants, it, it's this kind of hand camera, little snippets. We're not getting the—we never get the, the great scenes at Helm's Deep, you know, where you just see army versus army. This is very much like what one individual soldier on the battlefield would see, and just the, the chaos of war. Yeah, again, that was very much something Kenneth Branagh was really wanting to do, uh, along with uh, his cinematographers, really cr- put you into the middle of the fights and, and very, mm-hmm. very chaotic filmmaking, all the handheld work as you're kind of down there with them as they're fighting. And so, in, I mean, I do appreciate wider shots that kind of give me context of the whole battle, just so mm-hmm. I can kind of contextualize where everybody is. But I find it really works still. I feel like I'm right there with these people as they're as they're in the middle of this battle. I think the the like the wider shots lend themselves better to um like really big battles with like armies, mm. but like this is pretty much a scuffle, so I think the handheld yeah. like really works to kind of communicate how like frantic this is. Mhm. Yeah. That's a good point. And we will get uh, later this week, we'll talk about a couple of great wide-angle shots that really show Thor kind of fighting on his own mm-hmm. while everyone else is running. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and I like that in this moment we get each each person gets to kind of show off their cool thing. You know, Hogan gets to show that he's got this awesome mace with all the spikes that pop out. They love spikes apparently in Asgard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Stiff gets to show that she's got a double bladed lightsaber. I mean, sword. <laughs> You know, and it's just kind of fun. And then, um, we get to see that, um, uh, Fandral, whatever he thinks about the fight that's about to happen is still basically Errol Flynn. You know, it's like, all right, I'm drawing my sword. Mwahaha. Let's, you know, I think as important to him as winning the fight is looking good while he wins the fight. Yes. He's, he's very much about the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's funny. Um, one thing that we could have had more of. And I, I guess I count our lucky stars that we didn't is more comedy from the Warriors three during the whole fight. They had all sorts of lines scattered throughout this this whole fight. I'll, I'll mention a few kind of as we go over the rest of the week. But like Volstagg at one point when when Thor swings his hammer that first time, Volstagg's like a silly hammer has a mind of its own. <laughs> and then later when Fandral when the uh, he sees the frost giant creating a sword on his arm, Fandral's like, I'm hoping that's just decorative. And it's just, it's just like, oh, it's constant in the script. Yeah. And I'm really glad that Kenneth Branagh decided to thin some of that out because it's, uh, I mean, as it's written, it was some of the worst stuff uh, scattered throughout the film. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think the Branagh saved us from bad Warriors 3 moments is just a running theme that we're going to have a lot of over these yeah. next hundred minutes or so. And I mean, I, I appreciate that the screenwriters put it in there. It's it's very much the tone of the Warriors 3 in in many of the comics, right? They had a little mm-hmm. more of that jovial sidekick sort of feel, and, mm-hmm. and especially Volstagg, who is enormous and would often use his weight as his weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it kind of worked in context of the comics, but when you put it with real people, and sometimes that stuff just doesn't play that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even just like... Uh... We talk a lot on some of the podcasts I'm on about the move from animation to to live action. And even there, some of the stuff just doesn't work. and You've got to change it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's kind of talk about Thor in this battle, because like at the, first he has this one line that I, I think of as incredibly anachronistic, although it's funny and, and where he whacks back one of the frost giants and just says next and and then he like beats up a couple more and says, you know, make it a challenge. Um what do you kind of take about this bravado and like him just sort of like, he doesn't just want to win. He wants people to fight him and, and have a good fight. I actually, this might be a controversial opinion. Uh, I love this. Like mm-hmm. it's, um, I, I like it for two reasons. One, it's a lot of fun. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun to watch. And I, I like that we get this, um, character who like, we know is like, destined well he's already destined for greatness but like he's already like really confident in his like martial abilities and like Mm -hmm. like we um i can't remember i just watched the whole the the movie earlier today so i can't remember if this happens before or after this minute um but like odin talking about how thor is thinking from like a warrior's perspective and not like a king's perspective and i Mm -hmm. like that this like shows us that um And, uh, and I like that we get this set up here. And so, like, the contrast with the battle at the end of the movie, like, shows us how much he's grown as a person. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
I get it. And don't get me wrong. I, I do love the scene. I think it's very, I think the line next is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I just feel like with all the stuff Branagh's cutting to try to make it like, no, I want it to be the Shakespearean epic and everyone talking in sort of like old style English. Some comic book writer was like, okay, but here's a really good line. And Branagh <laughs> just kind of let it through, you know? Like, I actually, I really like anachronism in fantasy. Um, mm. I like it when like, um, I, I, I'm working on a novel, I guess, which is like the least pretentious thing I could say on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but it always sounds so pretentious when I, when I talk about it. Um, but it's like a fantasy book and I really like having modern dialogue in like a, like an old timey fantasy, like D and D style setting because mm-hmm. it makes, it makes the characters feel real to me. Like, and I think there's a very fine line between like trying to, kind of capture that shakespearean um feel and also being like super hokey um so i like that i like the balance that they're kind of striking in in this where they say like thee and thou or whatever and then thor says this so (laughs) yeah it's it, it well and it's funny because like even in like uh we'll talk about this certainly we're going to have some shakespearean experts on uh to to join us but Ooh. i mean a lot of that language it sounds like it's very kind of a high english sort of thing that would be very shakespearean but it also ends up not being very shakespearean but it ends up sounding that way to mm-hmm. all of us nowadays right mm-hmm. well especially because just just the the and this kind of speaks to what you're saying cast like the the very idea of shakespearean as high english is nonsense like right. shakespearean was in the like you know poor people's slang of right. the day mm-hmm. and so yeah floor using that say like comic books being the modern day version of that i think is a helpful point mm-hmm. yeah. and so then what do you think is going through laufey's mind because we see a scene of him kind of watching and being like he's obviously troubled but you're not really sure like is he controlling the fight is he like at this point now he's like well if we're in the fight we've got to win it but he's uh, cause there's at one point where like Thor says, make it a challenge. And Laufey looks over to the side, but he doesn't like make any gesture or say anything. And then some frost giants come running down the hall and kind of j- leap out to leap down to where they're fighting. It, what's happening with Laufey right now? Does he want this to happen? Does he want to win the fight? Does he just want to end it? Is he controlling things? What, what's your take on this? Well, I think he wants to, I mean, now that there's a fight, I mean, he wants to keep his i mean these are his people i'm assuming that he's trying to keep them alive and so anything he can do to uh to slow to at least slow thor and his troops down or to defeat them i think he's going to absolutely try to do i think at this point i mean it's an interesting question because in laufey's mind uh, i mean there there are a couple of things if he if he knew that frost giants went to uh to asgard to steal back the casket he already has an idea that that it could have it could be leading to war, right? It could be leading to the end of the Frost Giants, and that this might be kind of his end game play. Is we need to get that casket back because the planet's falling apart. It's the only thing that will keep it together, so we're going to steal it back. The other option is he didn't know that three of his his troops went to Asgard to get that, and now he's trying to figure out. Well, this is happening now, so. It's, it's if I can convince Thor to leave, then we can keep going and hopefully everything will be fine. But if he turns and it starts into war, I mean, we're potentially this could be the last the last battle of the Frost Giants. And I think he's at a point where he's just like, this could be the end of us all. So we just need to, to fight through it. I think he's also possibly like testing Thor like he he knows how strong Odin is, Um, but he's I don't he's never met 
Odin's sons. So I think he's kind of using it as an opportunity to kind of like scout just in case this actually goes to war too. So he knows what he's up against if it if it goes that far. I mean, because we know the first the first battle, I mean, that raged across, you know, realms and and years. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a very long battle across right. all sorts of places. So mm-hmm. And certainly, I mean, he knows that Odin's grown old. He knows that everybody seems to said they want peace. I can see a failing of like if I kill Odin's son, one of two things are going to happen. One, Odin swears vengeance and we're dead, but <laughs> we're probably dead anyway. Or two, the death of Asgard's most mighty warrior is like a real body blow to them. And like Odin's like, I, I can't keep doing this. You know, I'm, I, I must go home and mourn my son or like I could see like he has some some. Th- there's a lot of ways this could turn out. Um, yeah. But do you so do you think he's in control? Like he's the one who's like, OK, you frost giants. Now you you join the battle now. Or is he just kind of watching this all play out? It's now out of his hands. Well, he goes he gives that look. And so I'm assuming that he has troops who are watching him like his commands. And that's that was like mm-hmm. a signal. Like if I look to you, then get send more troops out because all of a sudden, like all the frost giants come running uh, from all over the place. In the script, it's interesting. They actually start coming up out of the ground. It's almost, it's a weird zombie sort of thing, but, oh, um, oh, yeah, they're just kind of coming from all the cracks, nooks and crannies all over the, uh, mm-hmm. the Utgard hall here. So then, so then they, the, they all kind of jump out and one of them uses an ice attack that I, to me, it looked like something out of Mortal Kombat or some sort of fighting game where he like, touches the ice, he like slams down on the ice and then the, a ripple runs through the ice and just kind of comes up out of the ground and smashes Hogan right in the face. Um, which, which again is interesting to me that like Thor's the one instigating this, but he's not the one in trouble. Like it's one of his friends who gets hurt. And then when one of the, you know, giants roars at him, he, he's not like, oh, my friends are starting to have trouble. He's just right in the heart of it. He roars back, mm-hmm. uh, which is, again, a wonderful moment because it just shows like this is he, he's now in battle rage mode. You know, he's not paying attention. He's just like, let's 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 do this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's an interesting point, because, I mean, throughout this battle, you know, we see a number of the Warriors three Sith they work together, right? When when Sif uh, gets knocked down, one of them comes to her aid, and and so they're they're working together. And Thor is, I mean, he's kind of blind to everybody. Like, I, don't, I it's almost like he doesn't know what's going on with anyone. And I think right. that speaks to his type of leadership in battle, where he's not actually um, paying attention to what else is going on, and uh, so isn't a good leader when mm-hmm. it comes to you know being on the battlegrounds. Mm-hmm. If you think about it in that regard, it's such a difference between him and Laufey, you know, because Laufey is like very, he's sitting back, he can watch the whole, like, he has that angle that the camera never gives us. He can see everything going on. He wants to control things. He's deciding who to go to battle. Thor, you're right. Thor's not a general. He's just now in berserker mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so that's where we kind of end up. Um, any other last comments about what happens this minute? I really appreciate that Sif uh, doesn't fight with a ranged weapon. I feel like you get that a lot with like the the like warrior woman trope. Like mm-hmm. it's it's most likely like a bow and arrow or something like that. So I really like that. Even though it's kind of a pole arm, she she kind of gets up close and personal and isn't like shooting arrows at people. I like that. Um, it's Loki that's kind of like the range, um, the ranged attacker. Of, of this group yeah. yeah no i definitely think that's true i think she's not she's definitely like a hand-to-hand they don't give her like the dainty little thing right she's certainly not wearing boob armor or anything like that mm-hmm. although again the 
sensible wedges and combat right. or something. I, I, I will raise a few eyebrows at, even though our last guest was very defensive of them. That's right. Um, that's right. But yeah. And, and I just, again, want to give a shout out to, to Loki's just moment of damn. Because I think in some ways, like, you're right, that's that's one of the most <laughs> sincere moments we get from him through the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's just... Probably, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he probably had this, like, very elaborate plan of, like, how to get into just this amount of danger, but not more, before being caught. And now, as I've come to before, it happens in the mythology all, all the time. His plans are getting away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have a few other things to point out. Um, Go for one, it. One, we have a few other frost giants that are identifiable uh, and in pretty clear. The second frost giant that Thor hits after knocking that first with the sentry off into the distance, his name is Grundroth, and Thor is going to uh, hit him and knock him backward before he attacks the third one. And then Grundroth actually gets up, and he's the one who ends up attacking Hogan uh, when mm-hmm. Hogan battles him with the mace. And from what I have been able to tell, Grundroth technically doesn't die here, and I believe we may see Grundroth later in the film. Just a nice. We'll, okay. we'll see what happens there. Um, Hogan, his mace, again, they've named these things for the film. His mace is called Ridgrandir. And uh, it was normally not a spiked mace head on it, but it also uh, in, it, it can be used as a flail so he can kind of swing it out if he needs to on a chain. And what I find really interesting is I swear I have looked at this mace so many times and I swear it's CG when the balls when it spins around and all of a sudden it's covered in spikes. According to the book, The Art of Thor, um, Asano, the actor playing it, it, he was, quote, impressed by the device that was able to transform its dormant spherical head into a spike covered mace with a mere adjustment of the user's hand position. Which tells me that it's really doing this. Yeah, that's a practical <laughs> effect. That looks so good. I, I, I right. I can't, I'm like, where, where the little holes, where the things come? Wow. Like, I cannot figure it out for Wait the life a, of hang me. On, hang it on. <laughs> boggles my mind. Wow. Right? That's so cool. Yeah. I, I saw you wrote that in the notes. I was like, what? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I take your word for it, but I still don't see it. Uh, yeah. I, I can't figure it out. I, I, I think it must, like, when it spins, there must be, like, uh, panels that drop under other panels that come out with the spikes is the only thing I can think of. Cause the way that it's shaped, it looks like there are a l- bunch of little, um, like leaf, like overlays that could kind of fold out. Mm. I just, I really don't know. It just, it, but it's incredibly impressive what that's they came so up with. Cool. For that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so that's his mace. Sif, she's wielding this double edged sword. Um, and it's either two blades or it can be used as a single longsword staff. Sif always carries a sword and shield. There, It's always a set. And it's weird, but for her, they didn't name either of these. They just call it her sword mm. and shield. And I am a little disappointed that they yeah. that they did that. Uh, Fandral, when he does his little Dread Pirate Roberts, ha-ha, and he kind of starts his sword fighting, um, you see that his sword, uh, he pulls it out. It's a little more it's a thinner sword. They actually call it a rapier in the script. It doesn't, it's not as thin as like rapiers are, but it is certainly thinner than any of the other swords yeah. that we've seen. Um, and he wields it almost kind of like it's a rapier. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. His sword is named Fimbul Draugr. It's certainly a one handed sword, you know, more yeah. of a like a slashing sword than like a, a broad sword or the other two handed weapons that most of the people have used in this movie so far. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And Loki, I I don't think there's any particular names that they gave to the daggers that he conjures and tosses around um, at the Frost Giants or anything. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not quite sure there. And then the only other thing I wanted to point out is that we do have a name for the uh, for this big Frost Giant that comes leaping off of the second story of Utgard Hall, who kind of runs out. He blasts uh, Hogan with that 
uh, force of ice through the ground uh, that hits him, and he's he is roaring at Thor at the end of the minute. This is Hailstrom. Uh, Hailstrom is played by Josh Cox. I'm pretty sure there's a heavy, there's like a Norse heavy metal band by that name. <laughs> I I know up? of Hailstorm. That's a yeah. That's like a metal band, right? But, which I think is a translation of Hailstrom. Um, but I don't know. She's she. Yeah. I think she's American. The lead singer of that band. But okay. For all I know, there yeah. could be another like Norwegian heavy metal band. <laughs> there, there's a lot of Norwegian black metal yes. that draws a lot of uh, in 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 influence from uh these things Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, cool yeah so uh anyway that's that was the those are the little extra bits that i had for this one awesome awesome well thank you both so much um cast with people who want to know more about you um tell us more about the the radio play you all are doing because that really sounds fascinating oh uh the audio drama um yeah so it's called geek by night it's about a group of friends uh in their late 20s um who run a comic book shop and uh one faithful night they get uh superpowers and it's kind of them grappling with like uh, like millennial life and also like the responsibilities of being a superhero and what that means to them. Um, and it's currently two seasons. Um, I think it's like 40 episodes, um, oh, wow. that are about 30 minutes or so, give or take. Um, very bingeable. So I'm told, but I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Wait, and where can people find that again? Um, that's over at duelinggenre.com. It's called Geek by Night. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really love having you as a guest. Yeah, thank three you. more great days this week. Uh, Andy, as always, thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, really hope you're checking out Cass's stuff. If you want to check out more of my stuff, you can find me at theethicalpanda.com on uh, Facebook or Twitter by that name or that website or theethicalpanda at gmail.com. And there you'll find both the, um, the two, uh, podcasts that I lead. Superhero Ethics and the Star Wars Universe podcast. And then I also often guest on a number of other podcasts like Bingers Assemble, Panda Vision, all of which you'll find as part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. So <laughs> definitely check all that. Um, check out all the other great things happening here on the next reel. And of course, if you're not a member, please definitely think about being a member. But most importantly, the one thing I'm asking you to do that I always ask, have a good day. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Mm-hmm.